Hi everyone, Melody Moore here with The Daily Emerald, bringing you the second episode of our new monthly podcast series that gets you caught up on some of our top stories of the month. On August 4th, The Emerald reported that as the November 2020 election draws closer, student public interest research groups have been working on college campuses across the country to educate younger generations on how to register and the importance of voting. The student-led organization had to shift plans after the coronavirus pandemic began, implementing tactics like phone banking to help young people register to vote. Over 40 volunteers attended Oregon State Public Interest Research Group's virtual event, Democracy Blitz, on July 28th to help register youth voters through studentvote.org. On August 12th, the Emerald reported that a group of UO administrators, professors, and faculty members began planning an extensive contact tracing program that would employ students in the fight against the pandemic. Now, with the virus still raging throughout the country, many have turned to the successes of the UO Student Corps to combat coronavirus, known more widely as the Corona Corps. The training program takes about 20 hours, and once students complete it, they become fully qualified contact tracers. Students can not only get paid, but also earn tuition-free credits with their work. Noah Cohen, a student contact tracer, said the most rewarding part of the work is the ability to have information to give people who may have COVID-19 some peace of mind, as well as share information to put them at ease. On August 13th, the Emerald reported that the University of Oregon libraries will move forward with plans to cover four racist murals in UO's Night Library by October 1st. The covering, costing more than $30,000 according to Around the UO, will be a removable tamper-free aluminum panel adorned with a photo of Minnesota Casota limestone walls to blend into the stairwell walls. The panel is part of a multi-phased plan, Watson said in an Around the UO article, as a permanent replacement for the murals will require more input and representation from around campus. The university is also considering actions such as adding informational plaques at locations on campus with controversial histories, such as University Hall, which was recently denamed from Dee Dee Hall. On August 18th, the Emerald reported that a University of Oregon librarian is collaborating with UO students and faculty to translate campus maps into Spanish in order to create a more accessible environment for members of the Latinx community. Students who participated in the translation received a list of 18 terms to translate. Bronwyn Maxson, a UO librarian, and UO Spanish instructor Heather Quarles said they hoped the initiative would inspire other groups to help improve the accessibility of campus. On August 19th, the Emerald reported that the University of Oregon Museum of Natural and Cultural History reopened on August 5th, with new regulations in order to ensure the health and safety of its patrons. The museum has protected hours for seniors and COVID-19 vulnerable individuals and placed arrows on the ground to help direct traffic. Hand sanitizer is available, as well as a hand-washing station outside of the museum. Ruth Hyde, the museum's membership and visitor services manager, said that while they can't eliminate all risk, the museum is doing its best to follow regulations and make guests as comfortable and safe as possible. 
The Emerald reported that on Friday, August 21st, Black Unity held a flash protest in front of the Wayne L. Morse U.S. Federal Courthouse starting just before 7 p.m. The group blocked off 8th and Broadway. There, Black Unity leaders and supporters blocked the intersection and stood in silence with the words Breonna Taylor written on tape over their mouths for about 15 minutes. The event ended without confrontation. A BU leader noted this was the first of many to come. The Emerald reported that on Saturday, August 22nd, according to flyers posted on street polls around Springfield, a hashtag Save Your Children march was supposed to meet at Norm's Auto Body at 3 p.m. However, no one showed up. The Emerald reported that on Monday, August 24th, in solidarity with the protests regarding the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, a leaderless protest would start at the Wayne Morse Free Speech Plaza at 7 p.m. Eventually taking to the streets, the march headed towards the Lane County Jail where a group of counter-protesters confronted the crowd on foot and in a pickup truck. The counter-protesters followed the crowd downtown, where a vehicle drove through the bicycle safety crew. Shouting began when one counter-protester believed a protester came too close. Then, in front of the outside seating area of Jameson's Bar on Broadway, the confrontation briefly escalated from verbal to physical when a counter-protester lunged at a protester shoving and punching them. A protester took the counter-protester's phone and ran half a block with it before the counter-protester caught up and a short brawl ensued. Protesters quickly overwhelmed the counter-protesters physically and the fight subsided to a shouting match. Though the counter-protesters continued to follow the procession, there was no more confrontation. The protest came to an end around 9.20 p.m. On August 25th, the Emerald reported that the ASUO sent a letter to UO's administration asking for a refund for online course fees from spring and summer term. The course fee is $25 per credit. UO denied this request, but say it will refund online course fees collected in fall 2020. ASUO Senator Kyle Geffen says it would make things easier if students didn't have to worry about which classes they may have to pay more for, just because it's an online class. UO says refunding the fall term fees will help make the transition easier for students. The Emerald reported that on Tuesday, August 25th, the day after the Stand with Kenosha march, BU held a rally in solidarity with one of their own leaders, Jasmine Delilah, who was arrested on the day prior and held overnight at the Lane County Jail. About 40 people gathered on the sidewalk across the street from the jail and waited to hear about her detainment status. The answer came just before 1.30 p.m. when a woman who was designated to go inside and request the information told the crowd EPD released Delilah and charges would not be filed at that time. KEZI later reported that Lane County District Attorney Patricia W. Perlow decided not to prosecute on charges of rioting, assaulting a public safety officer, and resisting arrest at this time. Her arrest stemmed from the peaceful protest turned violent confrontation with counter-protesters and the Springfield Police Department in Springfield's Thurston neighborhood on July 29th. On August 26th, the Emerald reported that President Michael Schill announced in a campus-wide email August 26th that the University of Oregon will have mostly remote classes for fall term. The school will continue to offer some labs, studios, and other small classes in person. 
Offices, research facilities, and some classrooms will be open to faculty and staff. Those who aren't students, faculty, staff, or other people associated with the university won't be able to enter university buildings, Schill said. UO will also require people to wear face masks and socially distance. UO will continue to house freshmen on campus this fall. The university will test incoming freshmen for COVID-19 during move-in, a week after move-in, and periodically throughout the term, the announcement said. UO will not lower tuition for fall term, according to the email, because the costs of operating the school will remain the same during the remote term. The university has increased expenses associated with technological infrastructure for remote learning and investments in COVID-19 testing and healthcare, Shill said. ASUO Communications Director Sierra Gorlich said in a statement that ASUO is glad the university listened to some students' concerns about in-person classes and community transmission. Students will have in-person access to services and activities in the EMU, Student Rec Center, and UO libraries. If opportunities for in-person instruction arise during the fall term, Schill said UO will look into doing so safely, but will continue remote instruction for all students who want it. Schill added that he hopes the school will start teaching in-person classes in January 2021. The university will host a virtual town hall for students on September 3rd and one for university employees on September 9th. Also, on August 26th, the Emerald reported that after announcing the University of Oregon's plan to conduct most fall-term classes remotely, President Michael Schill spoke with the Daily Emerald in an interview about the school's plan for remote instruction and managing coronavirus outbreaks in student housing. To read the full conversation, please visit our news section online. Furthermore, on August 26th, the Emerald reported that the UO will launch its new online psychology master's degree program in winter term. UO says it is designed to reduce barriers preventing students from pursuing a graduate education. The program's director, Anne Mannering, says that it's the first program the university is making from scratch. Students will be able to connect with faculty mentors and researchers and will be able to learn about topics like the neuroscience of Trauma. The program runs for six terms and features a capstone research project. On August 27th, the Emerald reported that after weeks of negotiations, the University of Oregon, United Academics, and the Faculty Union have come to an agreement over pay cuts and faculty contracts for the upcoming academic year. The agreement returns career faculty to a 1.0 full-time equivalency or how many hours an employee works in a week and sets out a progressive pay reduction plan dependent upon school enrollment for the 2020-2021 academic year. In April, UO administration proposed employee pay cuts totaling to $100 million over four years. The new plan, which both UA and UO agreed on, only cuts $20 million over the course of one year, leaving $80 million unaccounted for. This original April plan cut career faculty up for promotion down to 0.55 full-time equivalency, dropping them down to nearly part-time. 
Missy Metella, the Senior Director of Employee and Labor Relations and Human Resources, said in a recent email that the goal of the Progressive Pay Reduction Plan is to provide as much stability as possible in the event of a sudden loss of revenue caused by a drop in enrollment or a reduction in state funding. According to Metella, higher cuts would have been a difficult burden for the community and would have impacted employees' ability to meet their monthly expenses. However, according to Wakefield and others on the team, UA's bargaining team still saw this agreement as a big win for both sides. According to Chris Sinclair, the president of UA and associate professor in the Department of Mathematics and the Clark Honors College, the amount cut from faculty would usually be significantly less than the original deal. Despite UA and UO's optimism, there are still questions surrounding how the university will cover losses that exceed the faculty budget cuts. Metella says the university will continue to assess budgetary shortfalls and review current cost-saving programs in place, such as hiring, travel restrictions, restrictions on discretionary pay, and spending on supplies and services. Bargaining will resume during winter term to address additional problems that were not fully addressed during this session, such as a buyout program for those wishing to retire and a new 10-year reduction plan. For more information, please visit our site. On August 27th, The Emerald reported on a petition that calls for UO and UO President Michael Schill to defund UOPD in order to protect Black lives. The petition currently has more than 1,900 signatures. Disarm UO, a campus-based activist group, released a list of demands on Instagram on August 11th. The demands included disarming UOPD, releasing complaints made against campus police, and defunding the department. Then, redirecting funds towards other programs, both Disarm UO and Reclaim UO, another campus-based activist group, posted a critical history of the University of Oregon Police Department on Instagram. A Reclaim UO member, Patrick Schrank, created the report after becoming curious about UOPD's history. Schrank's report covered the road leading up to UOPD's creation, as well as the department's controversies. UOPD made 192 arrests and citations last school year, according to a UO statement, including 38 violent criminal charges. Campus police arrested 56 individuals with active warrants. 28 had serious violent behavior in their criminal histories, UO stated. The university stated that these arrests and this level of security would not be possible with unarmed officers. According to UO's statement, there is a proven need for the UO to employ a sworn and armed law enforcement agency, and the university is in the process of revising UOPD's policy manual to make guidance and restrictions unmistakably clear. UOPD Chief Matthew Carmichael said UOPD could function if UO reduced its budget, but doing so would amount to a service reduction. While Carmichael disagreed with disarming and disbanding UOPD, he said he still respected the position. It just reminds me that I've got to work harder, he said, and I've got to be better. On August 27th, the Emerald announced that the Duck Store will sell textbooks, ebooks, and other fall term course materials only online to limit the number of people shopping at the store in person during the pandemic, according to a Thursday statement from the store. 
According to marketing directory Eric Breitenstein, the Duck Store can ship materials to customers or let customers pick them up from the store. Employees from closed Duck Store locations will help process online orders. Although books can only be purchased online, other departments within the flagship campus store are open for in-person shopping. Additional safety guidelines and procedures are available online. The Duck Store anticipates a decrease in revenue due to the new online-only format, Breitenstein said. That's it for this episode. Please visit our website to stay up to date with our latest news, videos, and podcasts, and follow us on social media at Daily Emerald to stay connected. Thank you for listening. I'm Melody Moore, and now you're caught up for the month of August with the Daily Emerald.